That was very good. I really appreciate it. I need to clarify one thing. I always think of this. Um, I was not the reason Pillsbury closed. <laughs> I, I just like to make sure you're, you're aware of that. And I wasn't actually aware of the fact that I was going to be speaking at a time when they're giving out all these awards and recognitions for all these athletes. I feel like maybe I'm the wrong speaker for this because I was never that great of an athlete. I played football. I really enjoyed it. I was a center and defensive end. And I thought I was doing pretty good until the last year I decided not to play. And then they went all the way and won the championship. And <laughs> I haven't been real sure about that either, but oh well. <laughs> I'm just glad to be here. I'm always delighted for the opportunity to address this prestigious crowd. I really look at you as some of the most important people um, in the world today. Um, you're preparing for life to go out and serve the Lord and minister for Him. You're going to a Christian Bible college. I should say Baptist University. i got to remember to say that. <laughs> but you're coming here to learn and prepare for a future of service to the Lord to make a difference in this world. And you all want to be successful. You want to succeed. And your parents want that for you. A lot of them are helping you to come here for that very reason. And when I talk to them, they always say, you know, the thing that they want for their kids is for them to succeed, to be healthy, to be um, successful. And often when we think of that, we think in terms of being wealthy and, and famous and making a difference in the world today. And yet, that's not really what it is to really be blessed. We tend to think that way. And so I really want to talk about who are the blessed? And I want you to turn to Matthew 5. I'm going to be dealing with that. Um, who are the blessed? You want to make a positive mark in the world, to have a blessed career, be successful. And the Beatitudes here describe those who are blessed. Or some translations try to say, you know, happy. But I want to talk to you about what this really means. It isn't the guy who wins the game who gets the promotion. I should, and speaking of this crowd, the guy who wins the girl <laughs> or gets the guy or gets the A in school. Some people just seem to have everything going for them. But you can do all those things and be successful in college and, and go out there and make a mark in the world and have a successful career. You may accumulate the wealth. You may become famous and recognized and still not be blessed. You can be an utter disappointment to the Lord. You can really be a failure in terms of eternity, and those things are truly important. And so he's trying to bring out here, who are the blessed? Who are those who, I would argue the word is talking about, who have the favor of God? Because often that's what we mean, someone who's blessed. It seems like heaven's smiling down upon them. They seem to succeed in whatever they do. But who are the ones that are blessed who have the favor of God. That's what it's talking about here. It's not what we expect. Blessed describes a group of people that we would not have picked out and said, these are the blessed people of the world. I'd like to point out, first of all, at my first point, our position as Jesus' disciples, that it's descriptive, not prescriptive. I think that's important to catch. Blessed are these people. He's describing who are those who have the favor of God that he smiles upon, that he delights in. Who are those people? 
And he describes them here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, I would tend to think that you would say, blessed are the rich in spirit. Isn't that what we want? Boy, that person has a lot of spirit. We think of that as a positive thing. They're full of it. They're, they're abounding with it. Those are people we would describe as rich. Or they would think in terms of those who are very religious and devout, holy. So Some people might even think in terms of the mystical. Those are the people who are blessed. Rich spiritually. But the truth is, those who realize that they're spiritually bankrupt are the ones who are blessed. We finally come to grips with the fact that I'm not what I ought to be. I don't love the Lord as I ought to. I'm, I'm not as faithful as I know I should be. And finally, I realize I've fallen short and I have absolutely nothing to show for God. I'm poor in spirit. Spirit, excuse me. They're the ones who gain entrance into the kingdom. In fact, he says, those are the ones to whom the kingdom of God belongs. Theirs is the kingdom of God. They possess it. Because they've realized their absolute need for the grace of God. And they say, blessed are those who mourn. That's not who we think of as the blessed people. We think of the blessed people are those people who are always smiling and happy and joyful and and having a great time and enjoying life. You know, that always seem to be doing great, fun things on Facebook. You know, those are the people that are blessed. But he says, no, no, rather it's those who mourn. Those who come to grip with their sin. Now, we're not talking about Eeyores here. Don't think that the blessed people, because I don't want you to leave here and say, Pastor Schuler told us we're all supposed to be mourners. So you all become a bunch of Eeyores. You know ERs are. Oh. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm all excited about the Lord. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who come to grips with the fact that they are not what they ought to be once again, who realize they need the grace of God. They're mourners, they're the repentant who grieve over their sin. And even though we love the Lord and we want to serve Him, there's a certain sense in which we realize, man, I'm not all what I ought to be. And I mourn over that. It grieves my heart at times. It's those kind of people who are blessed. Those who repent of their sin, who grieve over it, they shall be, he says, comforted. He'll wipe away every tear. He'll, he'll bring them joy and blessing because they realize their need for Him. And there's come a day in which all sin shall be dealt with and done away with, and they shall be blessed. Blessed are the meek, not the supermen who boldly go where no one else has gone before. You know those horror horses, we love our heroes, we love our supermen, our superheroes in our day in which we live. No, he says, rather it's more, I know this maybe creates the wrong picture, but kind of like the Clark Kents. You know, the idea that people that don't demand their way. They're the ones who are kind of the meek and mild of the world. The idea was the idea that they're not people who have to take control of everything. They're the ones who can let go. They have the confidence and the strength to say, some call it power under control, the idea that I don't have to be in control. I can yield to somebody else and let them do it and keep myself in check. He says, these are the people who are blessed. They shall inherit 
the earth. God gives them what they don't demand for themselves. Once again, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Not those who get away with sin unscathed. In our day and age, this is a huge problem. We have people who think that the successful are those who are smart enough to get away with things. You know? It used to be the idea, lying was wrong. Now it's just if you get caught lying. And sometimes they look like the blessed people, the successful ones, the ones who get the office, who get the position. He says, no, it's those who hunger, long for that which is right and good. And I hope that you're one of those people who say, I just want what's right to be done. I want good to prevail. And you long for it because you look around you in this world and that's not happening. That's not going on. You're never satisfied with the way life is in this world and you realize this is not the way things are supposed to be. This isn't right. Because we live in a fallen world. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Righteous doesn't prevail right now. And there should be a, a, a part of us that longs for that, hungers and thirsts for righteousness in our own lives as well as in the world in which we live. We long for that. He says here that those people that have that longing, they're going to be filled. They will win in the end because righteousness will prevail Justice shall be done. And when the Lord comes back, he says things right. These are the people who will have a part in that. I'm moving quick because I'm going to cover a big chunk here. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Not those who win and conquer at any cost to others, but those who forgive and show compassion upon other people. The Lord will show them compassion, he says come a time when they too shall receive that same grace and that same mercy. The pure in heart. Some people simply look good on the outside. You know, like me. No, no. <laughs> you know, some people they do, they, they just look nice. They look, they seem like they have it together. They, they look like they're, you know, with it and everything's going well for them. But I've learned over the years, I've been in ministry for 40 some years, even though I'm only 30, it's been a long, you know, I, you know, I've been in ministry, and I've seen people not really being what they appear to be. It shocks you. You're like, this family has to get things going well, and all of a sudden you get talking to you, you realize there's things going on that are not right. And these people have hidden sin that they've been dealing with and haven't dealt with. And now their lives are a mess. No, he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Those who are genuine down their very depths of their being, they are what they claim to be. They're genuinely sincere. You can't see it, but they're serving the God they cannot see. They don't know God face to face like we do, but they love him and they're serving him and they're denying themselves on behalf of him. He says, those are the people that someday shall have the blessed privilege of standing in God's presence and seeing him. Isn't that precious? Those people will actually see God. Those are the blessed of the world. Blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 9. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The world says the squeaky wheel gets the oil, and the troublemakers seem to win. And we feel that right now, don't we? People stirring things up and creating all these trials and difficulties, and it seems like they're prevailing. It seems like they're succeeding. And sometimes we get frustrated. And we who try to keep the peace and do what's right, we feel like we're taken advantage of. But he said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they're the ones who are actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus because Jesus came to reconcile us to God, to bring peace between man and God. And we who seek to be the peacemakers who bring people together and bring reconciliation because we're in the ministry of reconciliation. We're the ones walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And he says, you're the ones who are going to be called or shall be called the sons of God because you're walking in his footsteps. Now, all that sounds really good. And that's what I pray you are. Oh. I'm technologically challenged. Yeah. They talk about that all the time in the church. If there's something mechanical or technological, I break it. Okay. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but anyway, I'm going on. Use this one. You know, we're in, a, we're in this world, and you're in a time, and I feel for you, because I really do think you are the hope of our future. You really are. If the Lord tarries, you're the key. You're the key to our future. And that's why I wanted to do this message. Because we're in a time and age where there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lot of struggle, a lot of things going on, and we wonder, what, what is going to happen tomorrow? What does the future hold for this generation? Because you're right at the beginning of your lives, you're really out there, you want to go out there and get married and start your careers, and you want to succeed and, and make a difference in this world. And you're like, but the world is such a mess. And am I going to be able to succeed? Am I going to be able to accomplish things? Is if you want to understand, now this was given, understand, to a group of fishermen, tax collector, a zealot, kind of a motley crew, disciples primarily. And he's trying to point out to them, these are the ones who are blessed because he knows when he leaves this world, they're going to go out and carry on this work and the world is going to look down on them, who's going to be ridicule them, who they're going to be viewed as the lowest in the world. They're going to be persecuted for his namesake. And that's why he goes to the next one. He says, you're all these things. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecute they the prophets which were before you you're in good company my best people those who are truly blessed of God, to whom are richly rewarded in heaven, they went through hard times. The world did not appreciate them. They persecuted them. They mistreated them. They reviled them. 
That didn't change the fact that of all the world, they were blessed. And by the way, blessment, those who were in the favored position by God, that if you really understood the true circumstance, you say, that's the best position to be in. They're in the best spot of all. They're blessed because they have a glorious future ahead of them. God truly is going to richly bless them. They don't seem blessed. They receive cruel treatment and abuse and they're hated. But why are they persecuted? He says, because of righteousness' sake. They're doing what's right. And the world hates them and mistreats them. The Lord said this about those who looked at him. He says, the reason why you hate me is because you love your sin. And I'm the light. And I expose your weakness and your sin. And so you hate me because your deeds are evil. But these people, for righteousness sake, they do what they know they ought to do to please the Lord God. And because of that, they are not treated well. They're not you know, looked up to. They're persecuted and spoken evil of. And because of Jesus' name, because they say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You want to get people upset with you now and say that Jesus Christ is the only way. That's it. And people will get upset. And they'll revile you. But that's what we're here to do. He says in verse 1, or not verse 1, actually verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's their possession. And they said, Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God of God I want you to catch that it isn't something all the rest in between are shell future tense and so he's talking about the kingdom is still future it's something we're looking forward to the Lord's coming back to establish his kingdom but those who have laid claim to it who have a part in that kingdom to come are these people that's why they're blessed. They're going to be part of the kingdom to come. When the Lord Jesus comes back, they're going to be there with him and part of this kingdom to come. And right now they're storing up their treasures in heaven because they're faithfully serving the Lord. And they're going to be richly rewarded. They are the blessed of the world, even though they're the persecuted. Now, I've got a few little time yet because I'm not done. I kind of warned that I was going to do the whole Sermon on the Mount. Um, <laughs> You know, this is true. It's who we are in Christ. We are the blessed of the world. But we're in a hostile world that hates us and reviles us and persecutes the true believers. Anyone who wants to be godly, who live righteously, to live for the Lord, is going to be persecuted. And you'll be tested to say, okay, am I going to live for the Lord or am I not? And when you are under persecution and people are making fun of you and they're laughing at you and they're trying to belittle you and make you seem like you're silly in the lowest of the earth, there's two temptations. One is, I'm going to show them I'm just like them. I, I, I want to take off the pressure. And so you compromise. You start to go along with them and show, well, I'm not, I, I'm not a goody-two-shoes type thing. I'm just like you guys. I, I'm not that that good, okay? And you compromise. You back off. 
Or the second thing you're tempted to do is because the persecution gets tough is to go into hiding. To be a secret Christian. Don't only let people know that agree with you and otherwise just stay silent and kind of keep under the radar because you don't want to be the object of their persecution and their taunts. That's why he goes on in the sermon says, you can't do that because of who you are. You're my disciples. You're the most blessed people in all the world. Even though the world doesn't recognize it. And your future is secure and you're going to be part of that kingdom to come because that's your possession as one of my people, as one of my disciples. But you are salt. You are salt. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is then forth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. If you cease to be what you are, to be the salt of the earth, then you deserve judgment. You deserve to be trampled. But you are the salt of the earth. You know, righteousness is an irritant. You ever get salt in your eye? Oh, oh. You know, it just, you wash out, you gotta get out, it's just irritant. And frankly, some of you good people here, you prestigious crowd you are, really bug people. You know? They, they, they want to do something and, you know, do some nasty, evil thing and and you happen to be there, and they want you to join with them. You say, uh, I don't think we should do that. That wouldn't be right. What? Who do you think you are? And they turn on you, and they get upset with you. And Why? Because you're that salt, that irritant, but you're holding them back. You're the one standing up for righteousness. You're talking about what's right and good. And it holds back the wickedness of this world. Because you are the salt of the earth. And it's our responsibility to be that. To keep sin at bay by our presence. There's an Old Testament story I think gives a little bit of understanding of what this is all about. It's the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Became extremely wicked. And the wickedness and the unrighteousness of a city had become known to God. He knows everything, so it's kind of a story. They're bringing that out, that he's very much aware of this. And to make it very clear to us, he came down to earth to check it out, to make clear that I understand, I thoroughly understand what's going on in that city. It's very clear because he sends the angels ahead of him, and he stays back with Abraham, okay? And he talks to him. He says, this city, the wickedness, has come to me, and I'm aware of it, and I'm going to judge this city. And Abraham's like, whoa, that's... He doesn't say it. He knows it. God knows it. That's where Lot's at. So, well, Lord, if there's 50 righteous people, you're going to destroy the city? No, I'll hold back because of 50 righteous. Well, about 45 and 40 and 30 and works us all the way down to 10. He said, if there's 10 righteous people in that city, I'll hold back my wrath. But if not, it'll be destroyed. Well, there was less than 10. But even then he took the righteous people out of the city and the wrath and fire of God came down upon the city and was utterly destroyed. I believe the righteous people of this world are holding back the right wrath of God. 
Because you're here. You are a preservative. That's what salt was primarily used for at that time. It was irritating, but it was also preservative. And they realized this, that it, it was there to preserve the food, the, the meat. You're the preservative of this world. You are actually critical to its continued existence. And what's going to happen is one day the Lord's going to take his church out of this world, the righteous of this world, and it's going to be turned over to wrath and to judgment, to fire and to brimstone. The world doesn't appreciate you, but you actually are the most important people in this world, provided that you're truly a child of Jesus Christ. You are the salt of the earth. But you must remain salt. You cannot compromise. You cannot back down. You cannot yield. You have to be true to what you know to be right. And though the world does not appreciate your importance, despite its persecution, we must remain what we are called to be, to accomplish God's purpose in this world. Don't compromise. Be salt. But your second temptation is to go into hiding. That's what he talks about in the next verse. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. They put it on a candlestick and they give it light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Go ahead and live your Christian life before their eyes. Let them know that you're a Christian. Be open about it. Yeah, I don't do those things because I love the Lord. I'm living for him. Jesus was a lie of the world and they hated him for it. And they turned on him and they crucified him. We're following his footsteps. He's gone. He's gone to glory. He left us here and now we're the light of the world. We're to let our light shine. Whatever field you go into, whatever endeavor you go into, you're to let your light shine by being these blessed people of God being different from the rest of the world so you can make a difference. Job 3, 19 through 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the world, I'm sorry, John, loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does right, uh, wicked things hates the light and does not come to light lest their deeds should be exposed. So the purpose for which we exist in this world is to shed light. So you can't remain hidden. I remember when I first became a Christian at 16, I was all excited, but I never understood that Jesus died for my sins and and he rose again and paid for me personally. I I couldn't understand why he died. That was the key thing. And someone explained to me why he had to die, and all of a sudden it made sense, and it clicked, and I realized that day I accepted the Lord, and the Lord changed my heart, and I got excited about the Lord. And I wanted to share them with all my classmates. But I knew they weren't going to receive it real well. So I finally cornered one of them. I invited him to come with me to a Bible study. 
And while he's trapped in the car, because I was driving, I started to share the gospel with him. <laughs> Either he'd jump out or he's going to listen to me. <laughs> he didn't jump out. He listened. And all of a sudden, he got real quiet. And all of a sudden, he turned to me and says, Wow, I've been a Christian for four years. Four years, then I stopped the car. I looked at him and I said, why didn't you ever tell me about this? Why didn't you ever share with me? And he says, well, I feared you to ask. I said, all I knew was you were a nice guy. I didn't know why. Yeah, you would have credibility with me because I saw your life was different, but I didn't know why it was different. My friends, when we talk about letting your light shine, it just doesn't mean being good. It means being good and sharing, them, sharing why. Why are you different? Why do you have that hope? Why, why are you not going along with everything else that's going on? Well, because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's blessed me richly. He's given me a hope. I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the world to come. I'm different because of what he's done in my life. And he can do the same thing in your life as well. The Sermon Mount goes on to talk about people who follow the letter of the law. He says, no, you need to follow the law from the heart. The people that people think are really the great godly people are the religious people that's not really what it is. It's people who are truly living for God from the depths of their heart who understand the principles behind the commandments and are, are not lustful and not bitter and not those things. They love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Those are the people of God. It's not those who just do religious things for people to see. It's those who do it because they have a personal relationship with the Lord and in the privacy of their own homes in the closet they're praying and they're fasting and they're seeking the Lord because they love him from the depths of their being it's those people who aren't living for the things of this world because they realize this world is under judgment it's all passing away and, and all the pagans seek after those things no what do they seek after now remember this this is 634 they seek after his kingdom and his righteousness Theirs is the kingdom of God. And they're looking forward to it. They're seeking after the kingdom and his righteousness because they know that's their hope. They're building their house upon a rock. They know the narrow way and they pursued it. And they're living for the Lord. They're different from the rest of the world. And people see it. Sometimes they don't like it. But they see it. And they need to see it. Because only as they come to recognize the truth and recognize who Jesus Christ is will they leave the wrath and judgment of God and become part of this kingdom to come. And only then will righteousness prevail and be pursued. See, I think you are at a critical time. You may think this is a tough time coming. It may be. Jesus never told us it wasn't going to get hard. But what he told us, and what he's telling us here, it doesn't change how important and significant you are.
And it doesn't change the fact that you are the blessed people of this world. And you're the one who are making eternal differences for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are the ones who have a blessed and secure future that if anyone understood really what was going on, they would envy you. And they'd want to be part of that. It's all worth it. But you need to be genuine. You need to be real. You need to be truly one of his people. Make sure of that by accepting the Lord as your Savior, becoming one of his disciples. And don't diminish it by not being what he's called you to be. Because, my friends, you are the key to the future. If there's going to be revival in this land, it's going to come through you. And as times get tough, your light will shine all that much brighter. It will make all that much difference. <coughs> so the Lord will finally have to just take you up before judgment can ever come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this glorious hope that we have. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to live in light of your truth, to make a difference in this world. And that's my prayer for these young people here, Lord. I look out there and I think, what an opportunity, what a time to make a difference in this world. May they see other people come to know you through them. May they make a difference, Lord, and stand up for righteousness and truth. May they, Lord, point the way to you. And Lord, I pray that you be gracious and give us revival in our day. But most of all, I pray, Lord, you'd help them not to become discouraged, to realize that those blessings they have in you, Lord, are theirs, and nothing can take them away. And as they live for you, Lord, may they store up riches and blessings and glories so that when they finally go there to be with you, Lord, they'll receive a rich welcome into your kingdom because of what you've done in their lives and through their lives. But I pray most of all, Lord, that they come to know you personally. I know only too well, Lord, so many come to Christian Bible colleges for various reasons and may not even know you personally. When they make that decision, say, I want to live for the Lord. I want to become one of his disciples. And then, Lord, use them for your glory. I ask your blessing upon each and every one here in Jesus' precious name. Amen.